How are we doing everybody? It is Fit Food Radio. I'm Matty Boy Whitmore and I'm here with the always, always gorgeous Kevis Marsden. Hello. Great episode coming up, as always. But obviously I'm going to say that, aren't I? I'm not going to say anything else. And we're here to talk about supplements. Um, we've discussed supplements before, many times. Um, what are the best supplements? What supplements are a waste of money? So much to talk about. And we're going to get that into that in a moment. Um, but before that... Kerry, so I'm dying to know what you've been up to lately. <laughs> Do you not know? Tell me. Um, what have I been up to lately? So, uh, I've been busy in the Fit Food Kitchen, developing some new recipes. Uh, members I've been, I've been get, chief taster. Yeah, our members get some new recipes every month, and I did this month courgette brownies. I'm on a mission to get more veg. But that, that, that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because you say courgette brownies, and I mean, it doesn't really kind of leave you with that. Mm. Well, that well, sounds delicious. I mean, brownies obviously, of course, are delicious. Courgettes, let's be honest, you know, they're not the most exciting of vegetables just, in the world. It's just texture. What, like, no, what, no, 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 carrot I'm, cake? It's I'm just texture. You. I'm hearing you. And it, it's you, texture. You waffled them all. And it's, and it's, well, to be honest with you, it's funny because the reality is courgettes don't really taste of that much, no, you know, similar to cucumber in that because they're just very watery, aren't they? Yeah. So it kind of adds that moisture. Um, it was actually a double chocolate chunk and walnut courgette brownie. And do you know what I've noticed actually? What you should do is call them a double chocolate chunk walnut brownie and then just lighten the small print underneath with courgette. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I did put it on Facebook and it, it, someone did. Someone put like a sick emoji. emoji. Yeah. And, and I kind of got it. I thought, yeah, to be fair, I mean, go back five years ago and if I had you seen that as a recipe, that. I would have gone like, what? And, and this isn't as, as well, I want to make this clear, this isn't about. Um, you know, I said to you, I'm on a mission to eat more veg, but what I've noticed is... <laughs> so there's a brownie count of one of your five yeah, well, a day. Yeah, it does now. What, when, um, <laughs> when I go out and eat a brownie, like, we will sometimes go to a nice coffee shop where they'll say, you know, um, you know, really like homemade brownie. But what I've noticed is it's really sweet for me because I don't sugar in, in any of my nutrition, really. I have fruit Not and often, I have... No. Yeah, I'll, I'll, fruit is probably... What them sugar-free M&Ms are. Yeah. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> When I go out and eat one, so so when I made one at home, and I was like, oh, what could you do? I was actually looking at different recipes for texture, and I saw mm-hmm. that you could use courgette, and thought, I'm trying that. And also, it is less sweet, but it's still got it's still got some sugar in it. I still use sugar. I used a, just a really good quality sugar, but less of it. So this wasn't a mission to make a healthy dessert. I was actually using it because I've been looking at all the different textures you can use for cake baking. And if you look, courgettes have been used for ages. I remember actually having yeah. one well, years ago no, at Notting no Hill. No one bats an eyelid at carrot cake. No, exactly, exactly. But you know. So it was it was nice. I enjoyed it. And actually... I've got to be honest, they were amazing. Yeah, yeah. They, they, were, they were phenomenal. I can't lie to you. I mean, and I'm, I'm normally, well, very honest, aren't I? Yeah. You know, if I think something's not really... Do you want to know another life-changing recipe I came up with? Go on in. Chickpea croutons. They were nice. Oh, oh that was... That was <laughs> and again, you know, it's so simple. Just texture as well, again, Yeah, it? well, we often talk about, like, textures when it comes to, like, eating in the same way that, you know, you know, like, toast, toast is so much more exciting, you know, than, than just bread. You know, some you know. people do say, like, they email us and say when they've transitioned over to paleo-ish that they miss crunchy stuff. Yeah. Because they miss, um, like, a, you know, like a, a cereal bar or they miss cereal or they miss, um, you know, and it's funny because they say things like, oh, I went and ate a biscuit because I just needed something crunchy. Yeah. You, you always laugh and you're like, there were other choices. You know, celery's crunchy. But it's like when, you know, I, 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 I might treat myself to a cookie. Like, I'm a, I like a crispy cookie. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. like soft cookies. And, and I'm always really disappointed if I've got a bit of a soft cookie. 
because I don't, even though it's the exact same and the taste is all there, yeah. it's, it's the texture plays such a huge role. Yeah. So yeah, big shout out to Keris. Big shout out to Keris's chickpeas. <laughs> um. <laughs> they were just basically cooked chickpeas baked in a load of spices and garlic, and then you put them on the salad. And it's just crunch. That's so that's what croutons do. Mm. Croutons don't taste of anything usually unless they're like garlic croutons. It's just textures. So it really did, you know, I love um, pimping a salad and it really worked. So it did. that's what I've been doing, a few recipes. And also I've been doing your, you set our members a press-up challenge and I've been doing that every day, which is basically slow, negative push-ups. And so by our members, Keris is referring to our Fit365 oh, yes. members yep. who we've... Um, Quite well, we, we got very excited about the, the idea of this. Obviously, like we provide content for our members, you know, as often as we can anyway. Um, but we decided to do what we, we call the Fitter Fit 365 Gazette, which they receive every month. So it is just like a, a newspaper, if you like, but via email. Um, it's not a proper paper. Be nice if it was that would be paper cool, email. proper old Make, school, yeah, posted like... just on their doorstep every yeah. month. You could deliver them all, that would be. <laughs> Nationwide. Yeah, you wouldn't need to train ever again. That wouldn't be very good for uh, you know carbon footprint and all of that. I could just cycle. Yeah, that. do it on your bike. You've got just four weeks to get all the members do, delivered. Do a, do a monthly cycle trip around the UK. That'd keep me lean. Yeah, August um, is ready. Off you go. <laughs> let's start now. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, so one of the things that we wanted to do is give them like a monthly uh, physical challenge. You know, as well as obviously like recipes and Keris has got like a geek section where she like references like new studies that are quite excited and whatnot um but the idea of these kind of like challenges isn't just to kind of like absolutely annihilate them but actually get them to kind of like master movements a little bit better you know improve their technique on kind of like common exercises and and whatnot so yeah this month was uh, push-ups because we often talk about push-ups and how to improve push-ups do a proper push-up you know chesticles to floor uh, without putting the knees down and whatever nice big full range movement um but so you've always been a big fan of whenever you're trying to improve a um an exercise doing god you used to make me do these on pull-ups which i absolutely hate the negative slowing down the negative phase as you come back down towards it's called the eccentric phase and I used to remember it's down to earth <laughs> so the, the bit on the push-up where you're lowering the chest to the floor or yeah, the bit the on the pull-up where you're yeah. lowering your body down so you might want to jump up onto the pull-up bar but then lower yourself down and you've always tried to coach people to do that when you used to make me do it in the gym for pull-ups I then couldn't put my coat on for about two weeks afterwards because your lats are like absolutely yeah. uh, beasted by it but it's so effective because then you are essentially kind of just, it's just strengthening well, it the muscles you, that you're going to need to push. It allows you to eventually. overload the muscles in a way that, you know, because, I mean, you are much stronger on the eccentric phase of a movement anyway, hence the reason why you might see a load of, if you ever see those kind of like gym fail videos and you see some dude in the squat rack with a big amount of weight on the bar and can actually lower the weight down with a good amount of control in the squat, but then can't actually get back up again. Same with the bench press, that's the other classic. Nice and controlled, bar comes down to the chest and they can't move it for toffee. Um, because we're much stronger on the eccentric uh, phase of the movement. So focusing on that phase of the movement in a push-up, lowering down to the ground slowly allows you to overload the muscles, build that kind of strength, which will in time carry over into the concentric, the positive phase of the movement, and get you stronger there. But it allows you to master the range because... For example, if you're doing a, if you're trying to do a, a proper push-up, but you haven't quite got the strange, uh, the strange, <laughs> the, str the strength through the entire range. 
as I was going to say, strength and range there. Strange. <laughs> I might coin yeah, that. I was going to say. So it's all about the strange, do an e- man. Do an e-book, how to build up your strange. <laughs> become become more strange. Yeah. Um, what category do you put that in, in the, in, in the library? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so if you was to do like a push-up lowering down to the to the floor without your knees on the floor, but kind of stopping at the bit where you probably know you could come back up from, which might be a quarter of the way down or halfway down, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but doing a negative allows you to actually go through a greater range of movement and start getting your body kind of like used to going through a larger range of movement. And that's why we're doing it. And we've got all of our members to video themselves doing it so they could post it in our, in the, in the kind of private Facebook group and we can like offer tips and hints and whatever, but also for accountability to keep people doing it frequently, which they have. So yeah, I've been to the five a day and I'm noticing a difference in yoga in terms of, in, I do a strong yoga class where you have to do the press back up from the chaturanga down they don't call it chaturanga anymore but uh, anyway and i noticed um yeah the press is getting easier having just done it um a couple of times a, you know a day so i'm doing it after i get in from walking hamish just do like three or four or five and that's the key like doing them frequently yeah and not necessarily not always as many. yeah not yeah. As necessarily doing reps and reps and reps and going to failure or whatever it may be just slowing things down fewer repetitions more sets more often and uh, in time, you'll be cranking out those push-ups like nobody's business. Yeah, watch this space. Just you wait watch and see. Watch this space, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming for you. 100 reps. Um, anyway, yeah. so supplements we should probably talk about. Supplements, right yeah. Right. Well, I mean, because I want to put this out there, and, and because, as I said earlier, you know, like we, you know, if we ever recommend supplements, you know, we, some people almost like, like, you know, they do try and shoot us down because you don't need supplements, just real food and all of that. Um, which is true, you know, we, we should be getting the most of our nutrients from food. You know, it makes perfect sense, right? However, we are firm believers in supplementation. Uh, because, you know, the, the, the fact is, we live in a very different time now. You know, we, we you know, our soils aren't as nutrient-rich as they, they once were. There's a greater number of people on this planet now. Therefore, the, the, the demand for, for food and vegetables and fruits and whatever is far, far greater. You know, the, the environment is more polluted than it used to be. We work longer hours. We don't get as much sleep. We're probably more stressed. I could go on, you know, so therefore the demands we place on our body now are completely different to what they were, you know, however many years ago. And the so, food is also weaker in what yeah, you're ex- saying. Exactly, yeah. so you the know. The food is weaker and the demand is greater. So, so we, need, we, we need a little bit more backup, you know, and, and if that means, you know, investing in like a good quality supplement just to kind of, you know, back us up a little bit, then, then we're all for it. However, some people kind of take this a little bit too far and end up buying every single supplement under the sun spending a small fortune um, and it's not necessary is it no I mean we, 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 we get um, uh, as a practitioner every event I go to I get a huge bag of free supplements and then sometimes I get boxes delivered through the door and don't get me wrong it's, it's a lovely perk of the job um, and sometimes it's highlighting to me new products that are out there because I'm always thinking in my head when I'm working with clients God, I wish they would combine this with this with this. It would really just mean this person... I love how you say, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking... Where, where else would you where think? Where else would you think? <laughs> so, oh, I was thinking in my head. I was thinking in my head. In my toe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's often times... I can see why some... Um, so yeah, everything you said was correct in terms of 
um, there is a little bit more kind of, the, the, the body seems to have a greater need. And what I'm going to do today in this podcast is just kind of explain to you, um, I say like kind of biochemical level, why we need certain nutrients and what in your lifestyle might um, cause a greater need for you to possibly consider supplements. Um, I'm sure we've talked before on, on previous podcasts about the fact that not all supplements are equal. You need to look at we call them pharmaceutical grade, but it just means essentially that they've been um, batch tested. They've got the kind of best form of the vitamin and mineral. They can be absorbed much easier. They've got the cofactors for absorption. Um, they're stored optimally. So, you know, you want your green powders in dark glass bottles, not exposed to like oxygen and, and, and light. So it's sealed well. You want your fish oils to be the same dark glass bottles, not in a shop window. You know, so these kind of things are really important. If you want to use these supplements, you want them to do good, not harm, you know, so that's a really... Um, what I would say is, um, whilst we are, as, as Matt has said, fans of food first, I firmly believe, and, and as I've mentioned, I'm getting you know information about supplements all the time, and it's really interesting, um, but also just looking at the symptoms that people have, I can see there's kind of, you know, the signs of deficiencies. And even if you, um, so something that you guys can do out there is just go away and use any of the kind of um, nutrition apps to monitor your intake for a week. So it's quite good to do this over a week. If you've got the headspace and time, do it for a month. And I'm not talking about looking at macronutrients here, carbs, fats, proteins, calories, but look at your micronutrient intake, look at your omega-3 intake, look at your protein intake. So one thing that I often mention to people is, do you get enough variety of proteins? So we've got this need to have um, some, there are some protein or amino acids, sorry, which are constituents of protein, which are essential, but there is a variety of proteins that all do different jobs in the body. Mm -hmm. The essential ones we have to eat because we can't produce them uh, from yeah. within the body. You know, there are certain amino acids that, and there's some that are called conditionally uh, essential amino acids, but look at someone like you, Matt. So you train really hard, look at your muscle mass, look at the size of you. Your protein needs are going to be... Shucks. <laughs> but you, you, like, you will have an increased need for certain nutrients. And I've always thought with you, I'm sure things like your glutamine, you know, you need to have a little bit more of that. It's, it's the most abundant amino acid in the body, but it's used for kind of muscle mass, but also for the gut. So, you know, there's certain things well, that we do. This, well, it's more that, uh, I, I mean, I'm just putting this out there because obviously um, glutamine is a, it's like a multi-billion dollar you know, thing, you know, it's kind of like used a lot in, in the quest for muscle mass, isn't it? But yeah, actually, it's, it's actually something you shouldn't supplement really without probably doing it under the guidance of somebody because it can increase levels of glutamate in the body, which is kind of, it's an excitatory um, component that can, can make people feel quite anxious, can affect your mood negatively. So you shouldn't just go out there. I know it's very popular in the kind of fitness industry and, and bodybuilding, you know, ram glutamate, glutamine down you. Um, where it is beneficial well, is... Well, that's, that was, I, was, I was just going to make that point, is that a lot of people use it with the view that they think it builds muscle. Yeah, yeah. Actually, its benefits tend to lie elsewhere, and yeah. it's actual links to increasing muscle mass. Uh, you know, lots of studies have actually shown now um, that that's not, not quite not the case. The case yeah. where, where I use it and recommend it is actually for kind of, if I suspect, leaky gut or increased gut permeability. So glutamine is... Um, just one of the components um, that actually, you know, is part of that gut barrier. So it can be really helpful for that. But in small doses, and usually if I do recommend it, it's with some antioxidants as well, just to kind of make sure that it doesn't have that negative effect. If someone tells me they don't feel too great on it, I'd take it out straight away. 
Um, but yeah, so in terms of supplements, um, where you should start, um, I suppose we should talk about some really common, um, I would say some common minerals that we need to kind of consider first would be a good starting place. And the two that I think uh, are quite common in terms of, it's not that you would have a severe deficiency um, to the point where you would go to a doctor and they would go, well, I can definitely see you're magnesium deficient, but it's kind of almost like subclinical deficiencies, almost just not the right amount. And that would be zinc and magnesium are my two kind of starting points for a lot of people. Right. And I've been to some presentations where I've seen estimations of, you know, in the UK, it's estimated about 50% of the population is zinc and magnesium deficient. It's really difficult to kind of, I think, get any, any kind of, accurate stats on this i don't even know how you how would you go about that without testing the, you know a good chunk of the population on zinc and magnesium like which is expensive by the way these aren't tests done by a doctor because you need something like red blood cell magnesium that's not run by a gp right um and and zinc same thing so, so if you, you want to go privately okay, yeah, for these that's tests. Right. and ideally you want your zinc and copper ratio because they compete as well and all, all this is generally only done privately so i don't know how we would know what the what what kind of chunk of the population but if you look at the housing and magnesium are used so a few examples that i often um give to people are well zinc is used for absolutely everything so it's basically um it's like a cofactor in almost everything that needs to happen in the body so think of um, the production of red blood cells mm -hmm. there's an enzyme that is necessary for this to happen so red blood cells are produced in, in bone marrow and then they go through this maturation process and then they're sent out and they carry oxygen around the body so you know vital for survival and various steps of their um uh, maturation or maturing process um, maturation maturation requires uh, a zinc dependent enzyme so enzymes are involved in everything um, i'm trying to think of an example uh, in everyday life but just think of enzymes are necessary for everything to happen in the body for anything to be produced and basically most of them are zinc dependent so zinc is just, you know... So basically zinc is well good. Yeah, basically. But then if you think about if you overdo something, so say you started doing a load of exercise or you were stressed or your body was exposed to high amounts of pollution or toxins or you travelled a lot, um, then basically your, your need for zinc, because you're kind of upregulating a lot of um, mm -hmm. systems in the body, so obviously there's going to be more enzymes doing harder work, therefore more zinc is needed. So... You recommend zinc. Yeah. We've covered that. <laughs> but of Sign, course, well, well, I was going to say that there are, in terms of supplementation, yeah. there are different types of zinc, aren't there? Yeah. So, what if you was to choose a zinc supplement? Because you know, if you was to get pharmaceutical grade zinc, it doesn't just say zinc, does it? Normally, we'll say zinc picrinate, um, citrate. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, zinc citrate is probably just one of the cheapest and, and it's really bioavailable. When I was training, it was zinc picolinate that was kind of advocated. What's the difference? Uh, is, just, this, is it a right opening like a... No, no, no. They're just... Uh, what they are is... So that if you think about this, this is really cool, but say you took some supplements and basically... Did you ever have a chemistry set as a kid and, and like... No. Did you ever want to see a chemical reaction? Well, I'm up for that, yeah. Well, I yeah. tried and, and, and or just like put all of my... Uh, all the chemicals into a bowl and see what happened. Nothing happened. Oh, no. But there was potential for something to happen. So in the stomach, when you're putting in just zinc with a load of other stuff, all the uh, things might start to interact. Right. So they might have a little chemical reaction in your gut. So what they do with the supplements is they kind of um, bind it up. So they make it into a form that's not going to react with other things. Right. So it won't, zinc won't start having a little party in your gut and fizzing and popping and whirring. 
um, the zinc is either bound to an amino acid or it's kind of just attached to something and then it's carried through the gut wall. Right. Um, usually it's kind of amino, it's called an amino acid chelate um, or it's, it's made into its ionic form so it doesn't react with other stuff, goes through the gut wall and then does its job in the bloodstream. Right. That's how it works. So if you see zinc, you want to make sure it's saying citrate or picolinate. There would be two options um, that would be good. Zinc is best usually taken at night and away from food. So try and leave about a two-hour gap. So why is that? Um, I actually don't know why. Uh, the the um, zinc is quite a delicate mineral. So I think in terms of taking it with food, phytates block it. So phytates are in most foods. Okay. Uh, but definitely, if you've got quite a grain-heavy diet, you eat a lot of nuts and seeds. Um, phytates are going to block that and legumes can uh, block the absorption of zinc so taking I don't know why it's best taken at night I honestly okay. don't I'd have to look that up I just know I've heard it so many times now when I was training and so I tell people to put zinc on the bedside table and take it when you before you go to sleep and a nice low maintenance dose would be like 10-15 um, milligrams that would be just uh, and usually you might want to have like a multivitamin formula with that much in it. And right. then a therapeutic dose, they kind of go up to 30 to 50. If wow. you've been, if you know you're deficient and you're like, I really want to ramp up my levels, you do a therapeutic dose, a catch-up dose. And I did mention before, one thing you can do, uh, Lambert's offer this quite cheaply, is a, a zinc test. Do you remember um, oh, that, where you drink the yeah. liquid? Yeah, when you do it. Um, that was bizarre. You drink, uh, basically you're drinking a liquid and if you can taste, uh, it's, it's basically kind of, can you taste the metal? If so, then you know mm. you've got good zinc, zinc status. If you can't, it could be an indicator that you don't have good zinc status because zinc is really important for taste and smell. Um, also for skin health, also for healing. Um, white spots on nails is thought to be a sign that you're deficient. So there you go, that's zinc. So generally it's, it's cheap, you know, it's six, seven mm. quid uh, to get a good brand, Nutri-Advance, Allergy Research, BioCare all offer this. Is it? Like, there's some good brands that you can get. So um, what about... Um... Oh, it's very important for healthy testosterone levels as well. So a lot of men are thought to be zinc deficient. So if you have a low libido, that could be an option. So what about food? If uh, what what are zinc rich foods people well, start chomping on? Um, again, uh, uh, red meat and seafood are your richest sources. Yes. So if you are what is not to laugh, guys, about getting more zinc in you? Oysters are. I think this is why oysters are known as an aphrodisiac because right. of the high levels of zinc. So they're so expensive. I know. So yeah, but. Obviously, I, I do. I really like oysters. Like you know, a bit of Tabasco, a bit of lemon, lovely jubbly, but. My good lord, they, they cost they cost money. <laughs> but then things like mussels, scallops, um, prawns, you know, they're also good sources, a good steak a couple of times a week. Obviously, you've got your organ meats. Vegetarian sources would be, I think, pumpkin seeds is kind of one of the highest mm -hmm. uh, of it. But again, you've got that kind of phytate component with seeds and things like that. So, uh, you know... Well, to be fair, we, we no, one, no one should be going crazy on seeds and whatnot anyway, just because yes, they, they are... digestibility can be a little bit... Yeah, but also, you know, it's easy to top up your calorie count quite quickly if you're yes. mindlessly jumping yeah, on seeds and nuts and whatever. So, pumpkin anyway. seed butter, that's nice. I used to like that. Um, anyway, next up would be, um, so zinc, as I said, fundamental for absolutely everything in the body and they're just some signs of deficiencies. Next one I would consider would be uh, magnesium. So magnesium, again, very similar to zinc is, um, you know, a cofactor, but one of the main things that magnesium is really important for is actually, um, is, is glucose metabolism, is, the, is your ability for your body to use um, carbohydrates for energy. Um, so one thing that happens is when we get carbohydrates uh, being broken down into glucose, they go into the bloodstream, and as soon as they're in the bloodstream, we want to get 
we only want a low level in the bloodstream that kind of drip feeds energy to things like the brain all the time. Mm -hmm. So we always have like a nice, uh, a nice kind of small level of glucose in the blood. That's that's important. But when you've eaten a meal, obviously, so say you've just had a giant paella with uh, with your oysters and your prawns to get your zinc. You've had a big paella, a big chunk of glucose come into your bloodstream, and it passes into the cells. So um, the pancreas releases insulin. That latches onto a receptor site on a cell, and the cell says, "Oh, I've got some some glucose here. I'm going to hoover it up." And it sends a little taxi to the edge of the cell, and it takes the glucose in. Now, for the glucose to be used for energy, it goes into something called the mitochondria. So it's the powerhouse in the cell. But before it can do that, a bit like you have to prep ingredients for a recipe, like you know, if you're going to use an avocado, you have to peel it, chop it. So glucose has to go through a few um, series of kind of changes before it can go into the mitochondria in the form that it's going to be used for energy. So right. this is you using carbs for energy. And magnesium is kind of the first mineral that's involved in basically glucose is six carbon uh, molecules and we chop it into three, two, two lots of three. And it's called pyruvate then. So it's just a bit like you're chopping up your avocado and you have half and half, <laughs> half for you, half for me. Um, anyway, so, so magnesium is fundamental to that. So actually, when you get magnesium deficient, there's a chance that you're not actually um, going to be using your carbohydrates for energy as, as effectively as you could be. So, um, but also if you think about magnesium is kind of the, the calming mineral, so it plays a role in, in everything from kind of calcium is involved in muscle contraction, magnesium is involved in muscle relaxation. Um, so again, anyone that's doing a lot of exercise, um, you know, it's going to have that, that increased need for magnesium. Hormone sensitivity, again, magnesium is really helpful for that. So again, not only just, just blood sugar levels and insulin resistance kind of stuff, but also low levels of testosterone, I, I kind of look at magnesium. Um, so really, really important. And again, if you look at where we get magnesium from, it would have been from our soils or yeah. vegetables grown in magnesium-rich soils. It's not really the case anymore. Just recently, we've been trying to, we're always trying to buy lo local, but I'm just noticing how hard it's getting. If we travel and, and we're relying on supermarkets, everything is from South Africa, you know, like Egypt, just, just all over the place. And you just don't know how long these foods have been in transit for. I know they taste of absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, it is hard though, isn't it? Because Paris you know, taste of nothing anymore. You know, it's not always as easy as you'd like to get hold of like local. No, no. Like, like you know, local seasonal produce. You know, we are quite fortunate in that you know we do live quite close, close to a farm shop and yeah, yeah. You know, it's all we kind of grown there. That's can. that's awesome. Yeah. Magnesium, uh, chocolate, and avocados are a good source as well. Um, dark chocolate, especially, is a is a good source food wise. So I know you haven't asked that, but. I generally think most people benefit from supplementing between 200 milligrams to, I think 600 is the highest dose I've seen recommended. And that would then would be therapeutic and under someone's guidance. Again, um, there's, in terms of from supplementation, you know, there's, uh, obviously there's oral magnesium supplementation and, and that, similar to zinc, you have different types, don't you? Yeah, so the, t the, the generally, again, when you go with the citrate form, for the same reason you would with the zinc, uh, what I would say is it can be a bit of a laxative. So if you're kind of prone to that anyway, or you take magnesium citrate and notice that you um, then kind of get loose bowel movements, you can try a glycinate, magnesium glycinate, right. which is supposed to be a little bit easier on the bowel. I think a different, you know, the absorption of obviously is, is slightly um, increased. So that's another option if you experience that. The, the side that I'm questioning, I've always advocated topical magnesium. It's what I was trained on read um the magnesium miracle by carolyn deans and actually 
when we've spoken to Dr. Tommy Wood about it, he's kind of saying mm. he's not seen any evidence no. for this topical magnesium stuff. Well, but also, I did have a, a trainer say to us that they'd done a they'd done a deadlift session and sprayed one leg and not the other. Yeah. And noticed they felt better. So I wonder if it's. Well, but then you know that 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 there could be an element of like placebo effect there, you know, and obviously you know. Yeah, it should have been someone else spraying the leg, and he didn't know that would be was. impossible. One, one leg was water, the other one was <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> double blind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, but again, I think true. I know a lot of people and who you know from an anecdotal point of view have said that they ben- they benefit from applying uh, magnesium to the skin. You know, be it post workout before bed, whatever it may be. And I was definitely it because I actually done that after hearing. Um, because who is it that said it now about spraying one leg and not the other? Andy Mack. Oh, it was Andy Mack, wasn't it? Yeah. And I had done it. And then I was like, yeah, I, I think I said to you, like, I was the same after, like, a squat sesh. But then afterwards, I almost started to doubt it when I started to read a bit more that actually there wasn't really any study to back it up, that it was uh, beneficial or had any kind of a effect, if you will, on, like, muscle recovery, DOMS, etc. Maybe, maybe the placebo effect is is actually your brain relaxing the muscle. Maybe that's yeah. what's happening. So, but, but then equally, I was a bit like, uh, but does, it, what, does this just mean that actually one quad is firing more than the other <laughs> and I've got an imbalance that I need to correct and it just is coincidence that happens to be the leg that I didn't spray or whatever. But anyway, yeah, so... Too many confounding factors to say that that was a, a solid study, Matt. It's not going to make the uh, sports yeah, nutrition journals. <laughs> I don't think PubMed will be published that <laughs> <No. one. laughs> But uh, but yeah, so... so I think most people benefit from from doing magnesium supplementation, just citrate form. Again, brands I mentioned before, you go Biocare, Nutri Advanced, and because uh, you know it's, it's important one. to to kind of put it out there that supplements, just like food, you know, you want to go for good quality as best you can. You yeah, know, and just find the kind of bother. yeah, you know, cheap off the shelf kind of like. I don't you recommend know. any brands that you're going to find in a supermarket and in a lot of kind of health food chains i know solgar have now gone into a couple of health food shops yeah so solgar is probably the one high street brand you could go with if you're on a budget um and again split the dose across the day if you want to kind of one capsule three times a day that could be a nice kind of maintenance dose and then if you're kind of concerned so symptoms of a deficiency might be kind of um muscle twitching uh, frequent cramps remember these are going to happen if you train a lot as well so don't take it as a given um anxiety um even kind of um you know obviously this blood sugar regulation and, and as we've mentioned the hormones and stuff as well so again you can't get this tested by a doctor you need to go and have red blood cell magnesium which has to be done privately but again it's not a hugely expensive test so if you did want to know you could go and do that but would you say you know initially like does anybody necessarily need to test would they just benefit from let's assume they've made some positive changes to their nutrition you know and by the end of this podcast obviously we're gonna have a nice little mini list of the essentials that we think that most people would benefit from yeah is there a need for them to go and get tested to like from the off and be like i definitely need to take more of this or do you think everyone would benefit from say maybe taking like just a little bit of a you know a small dose you know as you've recommended um, and just seeing how they get on. Yeah, so this is what I did with um, Fit 16 was we did go in there and offer supplement advice with kind of very safe doses um, just to kind of, because because I feel if someone is magnesium deficient, they're not going to experience the benefit and might lose faith in the process of nutrition and exercise mm. because they don't get the results. 
So uh, yeah, and the thing is with zinc and magnesium is if you're taking a small dose, they are quite safe. So definitely magnesium is, is you know, if you're kind of sticking at 200, 300 milligrams, don't think you need to worry about that. You can also look up online um, at, uh, the amounts for kids. And I do think kids are probably going to have that raised need now as well. So looking mm. at, uh, again, ways of getting it into your kids in terms of food, of course, but you probably might need a good kids uh, nutrient uh, supplement as well. Um, and same thing with the zinc. If you're staying at the lower dose and making sure you've got some copper in your diet. So copper, one of the best sources is actually organ meats. So as well as if you just have a look online, there's several foods that have copper in, but organ meats would be a good option. So if you're eating liver a couple of times a week, you're going to balance the zinc um, really easily. So again, that kind of low dose, we said 10, 15, you know, that's going to be quite safe to do. And I wouldn't, like you were saying, test with those. So um, yeah, uh, moving on. So next up would be vitamin C. Um, I do often see levels of vitamin C because I do um, run a test called the organic acids test on people, which is generally I'm doing for gut health. Uh, but it also looks at levels of kind of like the byproducts of B vitamins, vitamin C and neurotransmitters, brain chemicals in the urine. So it's quite a useful test to do and amazing for identifying yeast that's often why, I'll, why i run it uh, but also looks at, it looks at some metabolic markers it looks at your ability to kind of um how effective are you at generating energy almost in the body from mm. fats and, and but it also measures vitamin c and i do see a lot of people deficient uh, when i tested mine years ago i was deficient uh, but again i was kind of doing loads of exercise not eating enough fresh food so it was a different um very uh, different kind of lifestyle and nutrition protocol that i was following but I do generally feel like, I know people say, well, I eat my fruit. Um, but one thing to understand about vitamin C is it degrades really quickly. Uh, we've probably mentioned this before, but, um, you know, once you've sliced that lime or lemon, you know, it's degrading in like 30 minutes, it's changing. So if you think of fruit being picked and then stored by a supermarket for six to eight weeks, there's a chance that the levels are declining, you know, quite significantly. Change being stored for six to eight yeah, weeks? Yeah, well, I read, I don't know, uh, I read a book this is more about America, so, uh, but Eating on the Wild Side, it's an amazing book, and she talks about how it does go to some of the big warehouses for about six weeks before it gets what? to, yeah, I know, I don't know in the UK, I'd have to, I'd love that to go to a, a farm, time to me. we need to go to a farm, don't we, and interview them about how does it go from farm to plate, that would be really interesting. But, then, but I suppose this is where, because um, we often, people often talk about, you know, how saying like frozen fruit and veg is actually quite a good shout because often yeah, yeah. it's frozen yeah, quite shortly food. after yeah. it's been it's been picked, picked. picked. yeah definitely um so yeah so the vitamin c side of things i think this is where your argument to really go in local food and seasonal is really important because um you know just going to have more of the kind of of those nutrients of, of vitamin c essentially uh, but i do see a lot of deficiencies so again if i recommend to people to supplement vitamin c in high doses like uh there is something called a vitamin C tolerance test you can do. Um, it's bowel tolerance, basically. And you take mm. uh, fun. a gram of vitamin C every hour. So what? it's like a thousand milligrams. And basically, you keep going every hour until you hit bowel tolerance. Loads of people do this. Practitioners do this. Bowel tolerance. Yeah, which is basically because it's a laxative. So you uh-huh. see what you can... Um, and vitamin C we're talking about here is ascorbic acid. So... Um, the main kind of form that you'll buy in, in most of the high streets and supermarkets is ascorbic acid. And because it's a laxative, some people abuse it and, uh, as a laxative as well. Blimey. Um, the form that I recommend is generally buffered. So when it's buffered, again, do you remember, it's the same like the chelated minerals. It's kind of bound up basically to, um, you know, another, uh, usually another kind of mineral so that it doesn't react in the gut and it passes through the gut barrier into the body. So it's used where it's meant to be used. 
Right. Um, so you look for buffered vitamin C, especially if you feel like it creates some gastric distress. Um, but more recently, I've started to recommend liposomal vitamin C, which you can get as a liquid, which is, again, it's almost encapsulated in kind of uh, fats. And that just passes through the gut barrier much more efficiently, so it kind of gets to the cells where we really want it to be used for, for you know, basically it's an antioxidant. It's really important for kind of maintaining the membrane of the cell, which is made of fats, keeping it nice and uh, just protecting it, essentially. But also, quelling. every time we produce energy, one of the byproducts is free radicals. So every time we ask our, our cells are producing energy all the time, ATP is the currency. Mm-hmm. And a byproduct of that is a load of free radicals. So just like when you're making a recipe in the kitchen, if you think about it, you scatter the side with like vegetable peel and like you know everything that's left over. Think of that as like free radicals in the body left over from your body, using up loads of ingredients to create the perfect lasagna or whatever it might be. And if you never cleaned up the mess in the kitchen, just think how awful that would become. So <laughs> that's where we have antioxidants, and vitamin C is a really important antioxidant for basically kind of helps to, um, it actually helps to kind of regenerate the master intracellular antioxidant known as glutathione. Glutathione is basically the, the kind of component in the cell which helps protect against cancer and helps detoxify. It's really important. Uh, vitamin C is kind of its best buddy. It helps. It gives it a high five. It goes, you can do this. It doesn't, but you know, let's let's say that it does. <laughs> so it helps. To, it helps to regenerate it. It helps it more more on a biochemical level. But um, so vitamin C is really important. And side effects, uh, sorry, signs of a deficiency would be things like easy bruising, uh, gums bleeding, poor wound healing. Um, so again, I'm always cutting myself when I run with a dog, and I always keep an eye on how long does it take to heal. Um, the cuts and how long does the skin help to uh, how quickly the skin just kind of um, clots and no clots is more about um, kind of platelets and, and omega 3s you can cut yourself some people cut themselves and see how long it takes for their blood to clot um, but the actual how long it takes for, that, for the, the scab to heal or the, the scar to disappear is kind of a you know useful for looking at things right. like it's vitamin A vitamin C and zinc really that's your skin health um, but that's quite a useful way of looking at it um, another thing would be, um, so scurvy is kind of known to be severe vitamin C deficiency, but also... Um, scurvy. Sorry, scurvy would be the main... Um, so vitamin C plays a really important role in collagen regeneration. So again, if somebody is training a lot, and um, so bear in mind if they're training a lot, they're going to be having that raised need for a lot of nutrients anyway, and if they're experiencing a lot of in- injuries or a number of things, but they might be needing a bit more vitamin C uh, within their nutrition or to supplement as well. So, so, so you mentioned obviously uh, buffered vitamin C. Yeah. Um, and liposomal. And I'm I'm gonna assume that on this list is a multivitamin. This list of subs. Oh, that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. 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 So therefore, if someone has got a good quality multivitamin. Yeah. Vitamin. Vitamin. I'm a bit American. There, <laughs> um, would there be a need to? Supplement further with vitamin C, or would the the multivit be sufficient? So again, it depends. In a multivitamin, most of them have about 200 to 500 uh, milligrams of vitamin C, whereas, you know, I think you can take about uh, 1,000 milligrams or a gram, up to three grams a day, some practitioners recommend, because it's a water-soluble vitamin. So actually, again, in high doses, it shouldn't be too damaging. You you ideally just kind of pee it out. Right. But again, you know, and some people go for intravenous vitamin C, especially in certain cases of cancer. People have gone and done intravenous vitamin C. 
Um, I'm not advocating vitamin C as a kind of you know treatment for cancer. If you want to supplement during any cancer treatment, go and do it with an experienced practitioner mm-hmm. because there's a there's an interaction between medical treatments and 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 alternative um, sorry as nutritional supplements, especially antioxidants. So you need to clear all of that first. Um, but what I would say is that a multivitamin will offer you a small dose, but if you're eating a lot of fresh local fruit and vegetables, you don't have signs of vitamin C deficiency, your gums don't bleed, you're not bruising, your skin heals well, you haven't got joint pains, then yeah, possibly like just a top-up dose. It really kind of depends on your nutrition yeah. and how good that yeah, is. Maybe potentially, like you said earlier, about um, uh, collagen... What did you say about collagen? The vitamin C helps collagen regenerate. Regenerate. So, oh my so God, I just had a complete... Taking, yeah. I'm thinking, re-something. Re, re yeah, <laughs> I need another coffee. Um, yeah, so maybe, I suppose you, you could... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm just basing this on what, what I've kind of taken from what you've just said, in that maybe if you're going through quite an intense stage of training, maybe you're training for an event, triathlon, marathon whatever it may be, lots of impact work involved, maybe then you would maybe up your dose a little bit compared yeah, well, also, to normal. Also people, because it's, sorry, I haven't really mentioned the support it offers to the immune system. So vitamin C, again, uh, it's, it's, vitamin C is involved in a lot of things. But again, red blood cell production, you know, we just mentioned, yeah. uh, was, you know, the zinc dependent enzymes, but uh, vitamin C is really important because for you to produce red blood cells, which carry oxygen around the body, which is vital if you're going to, to live, obviously, but for training, you're going to do this even on a, you know, more intense basis. Um, and people think, oh, we need iron for that. We need iron mm-hmm. for, for really good, um, you know, hemoglobin levels. Actually, we need iron, copper, zinc, B12, folate, and vitamin C. That's what we need to really transport oxygen around the body effectively um, to our cells. So our cells have the energy to do what they need to do. So what I would say is anyone who is doing training, um, especially if you start to move into like half marathons, marathons, endurance training, you're going to have that raised need for... Um, a lot of nutrients, those ones especially, and usually vitamin C, and, and that's why, you know, kind of people that train quite hard get sick quite frequently. Um, and I, I remember seeing, a, a, his name is, I think it's Justin Roberts, who is the sports nutritionist for Man City, saying that when he tested the footballers, they were all, I think it was zinc, magnesium, and vitamin C, and there was a few other things, deficient. Wow. Because... Of the amount of training they're doing, you know, three, four hours a day, and then they're just not necessarily supporting themselves. But I think they would have to supplement. Um, and that's why, you know, runners get the kind of upper respiratory tract infections really quickly, sore throats, yeah. and they say, you know. So so vitamin C is, is going to be one to consider if you are, um, and often it's recommended for people who are highly stressed because, of it, again, just kind of supporting the immune system and adrenal function. So um that's one to consider and also it's important for the production of certain neurotransmitters so again if you've got a kind of really active lifestyle if you're kind of um you know constantly so sorry um adrenaline mainly is, right. that, is the one so adrenaline is kind of um you know adrenaline is, is basically what we use when we're training mm-hmm. and vitamin c is is really important for that for the production of that so again the more adrenaline you're producing through you doing your training, the more you're going to kind of have a raised need for vitamin C. So there's just a few things for vitamin C. But going back to your point of a multivitamin, um, the last few things we'll cover is a multivitamin and a fish oil. We could go on and do every single nutrient, but, you know, that's going to be a very long podcast. So I'll just do yeah, last just, uh, kind of the essentials. So, so with a multivitamin, I go uh, back and forth on it in that the problem with them is most of them are really high in B vitamins, which... We do have a raised need for, but once you've taken quite a, if you take a, a multivitamin with high amounts of B vitamins and you change your diet and start to eat loads of 
folate-rich vegetables, plus you're eating meat, fish, eggs, you kind of get a little bit overloaded with the B vitamins, and then there isn't enough of some other nutrients um, necessarily always, depending on the multivitamin that you've gone to. So it's a little bit difficult really, and a lot of people suggest doing things like getting a good multivitamin and actually just taking it every two or three days instead. Um, but then looking at key things that we might be deficient in. So I often highlight to people, when you're considering fat loss, you, people talk about their thyroid hormones. You know, I want to make sure I've got good thyroid function or a lot of people contact us because they've actually been diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. So the thyroid doesn't function well. First question I ask is, is, is this a hormone production problem, conversion problem, or is it an autoimmune attack on the thyroid plant? And they're the three things that no one seems to know. They just get put on thyroid hormones. Anyway, um, the key nutrients that we need to be able to produce enough thyroid hormones are um, basically we need vitamin A, vitamin D, tyrosine, which is an amino acid. We need iodine, uh, which we get from things like seaweeds and fish. Mm -hmm. um, selenium as well is also really important and zinc. So there's, there's loads of, you know, and there's, there's more than that, but they're just a few of the key ones that we need. But often two that people are missing is the selenium and the iodine, which is fundamental for optimal thyroid hormone production. But no one thinks about that when we think of a deficiency you know oh you've got you've got low levels of thyroid hormones well are you are you consuming the key ingredients yeah you know? so again it helps to go away and think about you know sprinkling some seaweed dried seaweed um we use clear spring just on our salads uh, and in soups and stuff can just be a way of getting some iodine into your diet as well as obviously eating lots of seafood and small fish sardines and fantastic for this kind of stuff salmon uh, but actually some of the bigger fish cod is actually really nutritious got tons of the, the micronutrients in it of cold <laughs> and selenium again in the, in the uk i believe our soils are very low in selenium so it's helpful to kind of look at there's this thing about eating two brazil nuts a day to be your selenium levels uh, but it might be kind of more helpful to go away and kind of look at selenium rich foods try and increase them and maybe take a low level of selenium because these are like i said so so the problem with the multivitamin is it's often probably giving you a lot of some nutrients that maybe you don't really need and they're not enough right. of the ones that right. you do I'd also look at when you are, when you want to take a multivitamin, you want to make sure the B vitamin component is what we call methylated. So it's in a form that's more bioavailable um, for the body. Or you can look at what are called food-grade multivitamins. So they're more based, uh, again, the, the form that they're in is supposed to be a bit more close to food, not so synthetic, and therefore it's going to have a similar effect right. uh, in the body. So there's just a couple of options. In terms of... Um, Brands, I suppose, I mean, what, what we generally do is, is we'll invest in a really good one and just take a, a lower dose of it, depending. If we're traveling, then we'll take, um, so really good multivitamins are split into like six or eight tablets a day because that mimics you getting it from food, essentially. Mm -hmm. One a day is just a bit just kind of... one big hit, yeah, yeah. When were we ever supposed to get all of our nutrient needs in one pill? Like, it just never happened. I so... You just mentioned holiday, actually. It reminded me, um, we could probably, after we've discussed uh, fish oils, yeah. probably talk about, just briefly, like um, some of the essentials that we take away with us on holiday. We've done a video about this, didn't we, for, yes. for our 365 yeah, members and, and, and Well, they found it quite interesting. Because it was interesting. <laughs> Very useful. So, okay, cool. So, so far, we've got um, zinc, magnesium, yeah. vitamin C, slash multivitamin, 
Yeah, so nothing to, to add with the multivitamin. So as I've mentioned, they're in split doses and you can get male and female specific ones and you can get adult, teen and, and kids ones and, and that's quite helpful. Definitely go with that because the RDAs are going to be close to, to your needs. Do you want to quickly kind of clarify the difference between male and female? Um, one's in a pink bottle, one's in a blue bottle. Yeah, basically. It would just be slightly uh, different amounts of the... Obviously, usually men have greater needs for a lot of the micronutrients, so there'll just be higher amounts in the men's, and sometimes they'll put extra botanicals in for the women, you know, and uh, and, and men-specific stuff for maybe things like prostate health. Well, d- d- Even d- age-related, so there's like over-60s. But you can ones. get a, a multivitamin without... Um, Iron and copper, right? Yeah, so so the one that we take, we, we share one, um, and we don't take, we, it's one without copper and iron, with a view that um, iron in excess can be very damaging, um, especially, so it's going to be more likely for you because you don't have a menstrual cycle uh, and you also eat more meat, um, but there is something called hemochromatosis, this can be genetic, but generally if you get iron overload in the body, it's very pro-inflammatory, all men should really be giving blood if possible, especially if you have low testosterone, go and give blood. Um, but uh, so we don't take uh, iron supplements in any way that, and they can also be kind of constipating in some people as well um, so we do a copper and iron free multinutrient we actually go with a, a bit more of an expensive brand there's Thorn which I really like there's Designs for Health I've also recommended Allergy Research Nutriad brands have some kind of cheaper options and BioCare have a methylated multinutrient as well so I mentioned about the B vitamins need to be methylated you want to have methylcobalamine methyl tetrahydrofolate um, so this is really important in terms of getting the right B vitamins in there and also the vit- the minerals will be chelated as we've just mentioned so you'll be looking at magnesium citrate zinc citrate so look at the form that is that is really really key um, just going back to the one we have is expensive um, but but we don't take it necessarily in its full dose unless we're traveling and kind of literally just eating things like mm. a couple of eggs and nuts because we're, we're busy, we're running around and we've got that raised need, then we might take the full dose of multinutrient. Otherwise, we take a lower maintenance dose so it lasts longer than it should do. Um, so that's just a couple of things we do. You can also get some really cool multivitamin shakes, um, which you could use occasionally if you're on the go or on holiday. So um, Nutri-Advance have a range um, called Ultra Clear, Ultra Inflamex, Estrogen Balance, Thorn have some called MediFoods, which are amazing but very expensive, so stock up if you're ever in the <laughs> States. Um, so we'll use a few things like our allergy research, have some as well. So sometimes we use these like powdered medical foods with a view that, okay, we're just on the go, it's just going to be a smoothie that's also kind of yeah, yeah. multivitamin. Just a bit back up. Um, lastly, just going over to uh, fish oils. Um, so hopefully with a multinutrient, one thing I will say as well Might is that eggs and liver are a multivitamin, you know, pretty much multivitamins. Yeah. Um, but it does help, and again, we did this with Fit16 to have a list of foods and essential nutrients and where you get them from certain foods. So you can just rotate across the week and make sure you... I was going to say, you know, just a, another great example of why you should try and get a nice variety of, yeah, of, of your absolutely. macros. Um, and fin- to finish fish oil, so basically what omega-3s do is every single cell, which we want to look after ourselves, of course, we want the cell to be able to take glucose in and use it for energy. We want the cell to signal to the other cells. Um, we need a bit of inflammation, not too much. We need to stop the inflammation now, otherwise we'll get in trouble. We've got an inflammatory disease process out of control. That's cancer, heart disease, etc. So the, the bit of the cell um, which does all of this and actually has a lot of enzymes in there as well, which are responsible for a number of chemical reactions, is the outer membrane of the cell. And then inside the cell we've got, um, <laughs> this is really cool, but your cells have organelles 
little baby organs inside. Oh. And they've all got a fatty outer layer, like a membrane. And this uh, fatty membrane is basically very prone to be damaged by free radicals. And that is everything we've talked about already, you know, things like pollution, stress, too much exercise, um, you know, not enough antioxidants to protect it. And the membrane needs to have kind of a nice mix of omega-3 fats, some saturated fats, um, the saturated fats keep it stable, so help it to retain its shape. <clears throat> the omega-3s keep it fluid, so nutrients can pass in and out. So if this is the mitochondria, obviously, you're going to have things going in to basically mm -hmm. create ATP. If it's a cell membrane, then you're going to have everything from like glucose passing through that membrane with a glucose transporter. So it's really important that that membrane is healthy, protected by antioxidants, and has a certain amount of omega-3s in it to keep it fluid. So this is the argument for if somebody has a history of trans fats, too much saturated fats in their diet, you know, they're going to get a kind of a, a degree of rigidity and, and that, that you are what you eat with fats. So you're going to have kind of a trans fatty component, which is almost like a, just not what you want when it comes to that cell membrane. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, there was a big trend a few years ago, kind of started off with Charles Poliquin, <clears throat> but also functional medicine and, and other um, kind of alternative medicine who advocated doing a high dose of omega-3s to kind of over 12 weeks transform the kind of the, the, the structure of the, the membrane of your cells essentially so to kind of go from being too full of crap fats <laughs> to more omega-3s in there so people would do high doses of like one gram per percent of body fat but you know if you think of somebody who's got you know a high amount mm. of body fat the thing to think remember about um, omega-3s is that basically they are a polyunsaturated fat which you know they're a bit like a woman who's had too many glasses of wine on a night out single woman a little bit unstable and like dangerous <laughs> in your company so you need to think of compared to your sober friends who are all in couples type thing that's a, I don't, I'm, I'm basing that on myself if I have too many glasses of wine and I was single then I was just a you know a bit of a nightmare to go out with but anyway um that's, that is that is a polyunsaturated fat and then saturated fats that's like you on a night out doesn't matter how much you drink you're so stable and consistent because the alcohol doesn't touch the side until I fall asleep yeah yeah you want to bundle me into a taxi. Yeah, they've got to carry you home. Right, but 100 anyway. kilos of dead weight. <laughs> so, um, a polyunsaturated fat, you know, it can, it's, it's highly reactive. It can be, you know, it's polyunsaturated means it's got, the reason I said a single friend is because it's kind of looking for something to, to almost partner up with. It's got a, right. it's got, a, it's saturated fats. I know there'll be a link in there somewhere. Saturated fats are literally saturated in terms of all the carbons have got something attached to them. So it's not looking to do anything. So it's much more stable in the right. body. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Whereas a polyunsaturated actually has some, some, uh, some, it is like it's almost single. It's got some options to pair up with stuff. So mega dosing these kind of fats can be dangerous. It can create reactions in the body that we don't want to happen. So um, again, a small dose of fish oils, eating your oily fish, what you might want to do is kind of a teaspoon a day as you've kind of, if you've had that history of eating loads of takeaways, eating out, um, not a great diet, you know, and you want to bring down the inflammation, get good quality omega-3. I tend to recommend brands like uh, Nutri Advanced Eskimo. You could also go with... They're two separate brands, aren't they? Right. No, no, Eskimo is... Well, Nutri Advanced sell Eskimo, sorry. So... Right, so, yeah. so Nutri-Advance isn't the brand, yeah. Nutri-Advance is the, the, no, the yeah. store. Nutri-Advance have Eskimo as their fish oil, sorry. Right, okay, sorry. in the UK. Um, obviously, you've got uh, BioCare, have some great ones as well. Bonusan is another Nordic Naturals we've used. Do, uh, and again, if, in conditions of high inflammation and a high EPA fish oil is generally recommended. 
High DHA is good for pregnancy, fertility, prenatally, uh, breastfeeding, and also for uh, mood disorders. So DHA is good for kind of depression as well. So they're just a few. Uh, what I would say is if you might want to, I've never really taken a dose up higher than a teaspoon of a, of a liquid. Mm -hmm. um, but what you might then want to do is come down to a maintenance dose of a capsule a day, a couple of capsules a day. It depends on how much oily fish you're eating. It really yeah. does. And obviously you're trying to balance omega-3 and 6. So... I mean, so again, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't like fish, then, you know, it's obviously probably even more important that you, you do yeah. a supplement, whereas if you are somebody who does like it, like we do, yeah. um, but although don't eat it as much as we should sometimes, we go through phases, don't we? Yeah, again, um, it depends if you're travelling, you know, and those kind of things, and, and on other, is your, is your meat grass-fed, is it going to be kind of, have good amounts of omega-3s in it, or omega-3-6 balance? Well, so I'd say like a, a, a capsule offers you a gram, usually, of fish oil, so... Again, you could stick to kind of one to two grams a day uh, as like a nice maintenance dose. And again, kind of look at the symptoms of, you know, so cognitive function. Um, a lot of people say when they take a fish oil after not having eaten enough fish that they feel, um, I've had people say they feel calmer. They feel calmer and more able to cope with stress and things like that. So there's change in their mm. kind of cognitive state there. So, so obviously... We mentioned at the very, very beginning that obviously, you know, food should come first, supplements should supplement your nutrition. Um, and mentioning the fish oil was there to wrap up, like uh, when we, because when we go on holiday, you know, like we were in Tenerife not that long ago, and when we go to Portugal where Keris's mum and dad go and we, we stay at their place, which we haven't done this year. <laughs> no, we haven't been. Um, we, we always tend to naturally eat more fish, don't we? Because, yeah. you know, it's kind of like much more fresh fish and, and whatnot. And I definitely eat a lot more. I mean, you eat more fish than me anyway. But I, I try and... I do a thing when I go away where I pretty much have oily fish for, for my dinner every night. Because, you know, in those kind of places, it's just really nice. And it's, I don't know. I just prefer to do that when I'm abroad and get whole fish and love it. So we tend not to take... Uh, like a fish oil with us do we like yeah, on okay. holiday because we do naturally eat more um but the video we did do for our members the other day which was probably posted on fit of food actually it'd be a great one um we, the things that we do take with us are you know we, we do take a multivitamin just to kind of give us a little bit of a of a backup there um, because i mean depending on where you go you know some places like you know their version of a salad <laughs> And oh vegetables God. is very Iceberg, different. Lettuce uh, and a bit of grated carrots, crazy. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, sometimes it is just like iceberg lettuce with like one slice of tomato. Oh, like that's yeah. their version of a side salad. So you know it's quite lacking in nutrients, if you like, especially compared to what we do here with like a rocket and yeah, and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we go to town with the salad, so we kind of do that as like a little bit of a backup. And even on the veg front, you know, a lot of places like whole side veg, and you're like, you get this just like white cabbage. Yeah. Like and it's been boiled the you know to, to, to the <laughs> max so we always take a multivitamin with us to back ourselves up there um also we eat less if it's especially if it's warm wherever we're going we tend to eat much lighter um and and we're more active we're, we're walking a lot and so we, we we don't tend to be we do a bit of sunbathing but i think because we're walking and we're out and about we tend to just have things like a couple of boiled eggs for breakfast we, we're normally you know, the heat suppresses your appetite, so we might take a multivitamin and then we don't have to think about it, basically, do we? Mm. So we want to lounge on the beach or we want to keep walking and not have to worry about, oh, you know, stuff. And we, I suppose the big part of, like, what we do when we go on holidays, we obviously, we 
because we tend to go self-catering a lot, don't we? So we can make breakfast and prepare snacks and whatever. But yeah. in the evening, we do like to venture out and, you know, go to some nice restaurants and feast, if you will. <laughs> so we, we tend to eat less in the day and eat more in the evening because obviously the evening meal is a little bit more of an occasion, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like the warrior diet, really, don't we? Yeah, the, yeah <laughs> if anyone's ever read, uh, heard of that, the warrior diet, where you kind of like under-eat during the day and then gorge, if you like, in the yeah, evening, yeah. which is supposedly similar to how we would have done it back in the day. Um, but yeah, we'll post that video up in Fit of Food to look out for that because it was it was quite a good one. Like, that's the one of things I added, is we always take a, we take a probiotic when we go away. Mm-hmm. This is, well... You, you you have this forced upon you. We take a green powder and we take yeah. some fibre because mm. often when you travel, you can get a little bit constipated. So we kind of take a, a fibre blend by Renew Life uh, called Fibre Smart. We'll take yeah. that with us. Greens powder is just because we're not eating, like Matt said, it's iceberg lettuce in some places. So we'll just have a... I mean, we, we eat plenty of like fruit, like berries and stuff yeah, like that because yeah. that's quite yeah. easy. But on the greens front, it can be not always you know like some place in Portugal we get some fantastic salads and veg and whatnot but um, it's just a bit of backup isn't yeah it? yeah and I've taken a, uh, we take some oregano uh, so in case uh, we start to feel that we're getting a bit of a dodgy tom at any point which you do so sometimes sometimes so yeah we'll take that as well uh, and our, our normal magnesium and sometimes vitamin C if we're going long haul because again that's quite aggressive on the body so when we've gone to America Dubai we've always taken like a buffered vitamin C with us as well or a thumb. Right. Nice one, Arcaris. Uh, so, guys, yeah, um, check those out. Any questions about this podcast and what we've covered, please, please, please do reach out and get in touch. Hope you've enjoyed the episode, guys. Please leave a review if you haven't done on iTunes, pretty please. Um, any feedback is always welcome. Share away with your friends. And if, yeah. you, want, if you want some chocolate brownies, you have to go to fit365.com. Double chocolate. And Chunky. they are good. They are good. <laughs> Take care, guys. Have an awesome day wherever you are, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.